Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is sort of April 8th, 2020. <laughs> Big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? It's great. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am doing okay. It is a crazy time. There's just no getting around it. This is true. So we are recording again. Our recording that we did last week that was amazing and you all would have enjoyed so much did not take for some reason. Still trying to figure that out. So we are trying this again. We'll see what happens. So We're enthusiastically trying it again. We are. It's more chatting time with Courtney. So that's always good. We'll be doing all the normal things in this unnormal time. So on the needles, on the easel, on the table, and on the nightstand. And then we are adding another little bonus section at the end called On the Fly. That'll be kind of fun things you can do in the midst of your day. So on the needles, I finished a pair of socks. So that was very exciting. My Vanilla is the New Black Socks by Anna Fletcher in White Birch Fiber Arts 80-20 sock, which is 80% merino, 20% nylon, I believe. The lovely self-striping color, Bring on the Pumpkin Spice. So we had talked about that. It's the, the fall rainbow with stripes of red and orange and green. And in between those is like a port wine colored kind of purplish brown. And those were a birthday present for my sister. So I was very happy to get those done and mailed off since we could not obviously get together with her for her actual birthday but I did get them in the mail and she claims to have liked them so (laughs) that's always good and then I am almost done with my weekender sweater Uh, that's a pattern by Andrea Mowry and that is the one that I've been talking about that I used the slubby yarn that I got at Stitches West Um, so I'm holding a strand of that which is Savvy Stella from Hello Stella Fibers. And the colorway on that is oil slick and it's this really dark blue green. And then I'm holding that with a skein of the basic Stella in Streetcar Named Desire, which is kind of a cream color with big splotches of magenta and that same dark teal. And so it gives this kind of funky marled effect combo of the, the blue and the white and then the pink is popping out. And then it's got the little slubs or bumps of fiber so it's a lot of texture it's a lot of a lot of cool colors going on and I am about halfway through the second sleeve okay. um, so I'm really close to finishing that I just and it's it's mostly stuck in it so it's just knitting away so I've been doing that while I watch tv as one does a lot of that now these nowadays so that one should be done by the next time we talk and I'm very excited and it seems to be fitting pretty well and I'm also just really excited because it I just got the yarn yeah just a little over a month ago and I knew I wanted to knit it up and I have so that's really good for me then I also started because I had so much stockinette stuff going on and I had finished the birthday pair of socks so those needles were empty and very sad so Rachel Coopy who is Coop Knits on Revelry is doing a mystery sock knit along for free which is super nice the pattern it said it was going to have cables which I thought sounded like a nice change of pace from all the stockinette. Sometimes it's nice to have something that you actually have to focus on. That pattern is called Nimue. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. N-I-M-U-E. That is the real name of the Lady of the Lake from the Arthurian legends. So the yarn I'm using for this, I have had in my stash since 2010. 
And it was a very special skein. It was from back in the early days of indie dyers selling their yarn online. It was always, you would have to be online right at the time when they put up their update and you'd have to have a really fast internet connection and, and hope that you got the yarn and it didn't get stolen from your cart. And this still happens today, but I think not as much as it used to happen. So this was, and this was a colorway that she was kind of known for, I think. So I was very excited to have it. But then I've never figured out what I wanted to do with it. I knew this pattern was going to have cables because it's a mystery pattern. So you don't know what it's going to look like until it, you get each clue. I think she's doing four clues. So you don't get to see it before you knit it. Um, but if it has cables, it needed to be pretty solid so that you could actually see the cables and they didn't get lost in the patterning. So I was going through my stash trying to, I had some ideas about what I wanted to use. And then this one just popped out at me and I thought it would be really cool. And the colorway is called, oh, well, the colorway is from Nema Nema and it is her usual sock base. I don't know that she's in business anymore. Um, and the colorway is called Ned's Rainbow Trout. So I kind of yeah. liked that the trout and the lady of the lake so it's always kind of yeah. nice to have everything work out that way um and it, so it's a uh, again with the teal colored and it's got kind of speckles of red so they look kind of purple when it's all mixed together so it's really beautiful but mostly when you're looking at it it just looks teal but with a little bit of depth from the red so it does not distract from the cables and it's a fabulous pattern i'm really enjoying it it's just enough patterning that you have to pay attention but not too much you can still let your mind wander a little bit it starts off with a ribbing and then it goes into all these kind of a lace and cable pattern there's a lot of twisted stitches so there's the pattern really flows so that's nice it's also what i think of as for me at least being in the sweet spot of pattern length where if you have like a four row repeat it's all usually really the same you don't feel like you're making progress you're just doing the same thing over and over it's a really long pattern 20 rows then you're just you don't again you don't feel like you're making progress because you do a row and you can't really see the pattern think of it this one is i think a 16 row repeat so somewhere in there of like 12 to 16 rows you feel like you are making progress but you can see what's happening so i really like that and then you're done with the pattern then you move on to the next repeat very satisfying so i'm really enjoying that one as well and she has it set up so that you knit them two at a time. So in the patterns mirror each other. I'm just doing one at a time because I mean, I'm not in a rush to finish them. So I'll do the one and then I'll go back and do the other and have a little more time to, to work on them and experience the, the loveliness. So that is Nimui by Rachel Koopy, which is currently a free mystery knit along. Um, and then the final thing that I'm working on was a kit that I bought from Forbidden Fiber Company. And it is her pandemic survival kit. I don't know if it's available anymore. I think it might've been a limited time, but maybe not. And so this was a mini skein set of six different colors in her Fortitude sock base. And you get 20 grams of each. So it's about, it's about the same as you would normally get. I guess it's a little bit more than you would normally get for a, a single skein of sock yarn. And it also included a copy of the Dragon Rider cowl pattern from Afifa. The colors are based on the colors of the coronavirus, <laughs> uh, but very bright and cheerful. So there's one skein of a red, which is called Pandemic. And then there's two blues, two greens, and kind of a teal. And they all have funny names like keep calm and get a bidet and social distancing. So <laughs> it's really fun. And then the pattern is for a cowl. It's in six sections, I think, and you, each one uses two of the colors. And I thought when I looked at, when I 
originally looked at it, I thought it was more of a fade, but you just use two and two and two, which is fine. So I had to kind of play around with the colors, figure out what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. The first half or so is in a fisherman's rib, which is this really cool one by one, two color rib. So again, pretty zen, but you do have to pay a little bit of attention and it makes a super squishy ribbing pattern. So I've and that's, started on That's this. where the color is one on one side and a different on the other. Is yes. that right? Yeah. And you're only uh, knitting with a... you're only knitting with one color at a time, which is really nice. It's mm -hmm. not two handed knitting. It's turned out really squishy. The colors are awesome. They're super bright and cheerful. It's gonna take me a while to get through this this ribbing because you're sort of, you're almost knitting each row twice. Not technically, I think it does grow each time, but it's a little bit little bit wonky but it's going to be super squishy and bright and I'm enjoying picking that up in between the other things that I have been knitting and I think that's all I'll have to figure out start thinking about what sweater I want to do next because I'm since I'm almost done with the weekender and so what's on the easel Courtney well before I jump to the easel I want to tell you about my face mask project I was attempting to make a few face masks just for our personal use I did talk to a couple medical professionals around here and they're saying that for right now that I should just make them for our home use and they'll let me know if they need them at their individual facilities. So I made I made one for me and it was way too big. I followed a pattern and it just didn't fit my face and it was super hot and I just wanted no part of it. I want no part of this whole thing anyway, but, but I felt like it was important to have some kind of protection for the grocery store and that kind of thing. So I finally landed on a pattern that works. It's an accordion, the accordion pattern with like three pleats in it to give mm -hmm. your face a little breathing room. I put in a piece of, I have all that floral wire, you know, for making like faux flowers. I just put in a piece in the upper seam so that it can ride the bridge of my nose and sort of sit underneath my glasses so that it doesn't fog my glasses up when I'm wearing them. That's important. And then the only elastic that I have is that elastic from my lingerie experiment. <sighs> so it's like the edging on women's underpants. <laughs> is it pretty um, It is pretty. It's like oh. green with a little pico trim. Oh yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, my husband's are black with a little pico trim. He doesn't cool. need to know that that's underwear. Actually, he'll probably wear it more if he knew that. So I made a set for the two of us. I just sized down, you know, they, you see on the patterns like small, medium, large. I just made a large cause I just assumed we're adults and that's that. But really it was too big for our faces and maybe I just used a smaller seam allowance. I'm not quite sure, but I'm happy now that we have, like it's just a double layer of really thick quilt cotton and you could wear it over an N95 mask. I just can't believe that this is our reality right now. But anyway, so I made some masks. On the easel, I finished the cup grid and I posted that at the, at the end of March the grid with all the little cups that I received. Mm -hmm. I did a call on Instagram and said, show me a coffee cup. And I got, oh my gosh, like 18 different photos. Some are yours, other Instagram friends, uh, family members sent me teacups and it was so fun. I was fun. very excited to see the whole thing. Finished. Yeah. And I loved your yarn one, the yarn ball one. And I, 
was better. I don't know if people remember, but when I painted the citrus grid, I jumped all over. It's a five by five, so 25 different one and three quarter inch squares with like a um, a letter pressed gutter between each miniature square. And so I did cups and I did them at different angles. And my favorite ones are where you can see down into the cup. Super happy with how it came out. Daria, my partner in crime on this, she's at Hey Hooray on Instagram. She did all of hers based on old Martha Stewart magazines where she just took different cups and hers look like so unified. It's awesome. And all her shadows are sort of more, they're just, it's, it's more cohesive than mine. And well, but see, but like all of her cups are different ones, which I thought was interesting. She has glasses and cocktail glasses movies yeah yeah, so it was it was interesting to see how you guys had interpreted it so differently yeah and it's I think that's part of the joy of this project is just like we share little sneaks but still in the end it's a delight to see how differently our two grids are coming out and if you want to see as that collection grows they're all being corralled at the hashtag wash grid (laughs) for lemon lab yeah, thanks. For Lemon Latitude, I am doing, I did an array for Adelaide. I finally finished that. I had been working on sketches for it. Part of me wanted to do each individual element, scan them all in, and then digitally build the array. But I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm so analog. I just, <laughs> as just Monica, Monica is like totally tech support here, and she does all of it. And I, cheer her on I hope and and wait patiently but I just couldn't bring myself to do all the digital stuff for this so I painted the whole thing in one canvas and then wrote a little bit about each element and I still think that I have like three or four more illustrations that I want to do before I leave Australia at least temporarily we'll see the hundred day project is underway and it's early enough right now that I'm not even going to be remotely confident, but I will say that I have embarked on 100 joyful things. You know, the 100-day project is meant to be something you really want to work on. It could be a new technique or just daily practice. And I think for me, it's making art daily and then finding something joyful is, is like sort of tricky right now. So that feels like a mental health goal as much as an art goal. And so... I I think I've started on that and I'm excited to see what other people it's always fun to see what other people are doing for their projects and you can see all of that at the hundred the hundred day project hashtag oh and then I forgot to mention our next grid we're six days in but I have or geez eight days in and I've only done sketches but the next five by five grid our theme is leaves is that the right correct grammar i think so so leafy things on the gouache grid for the month of april which is appropriate for april as leaves unfurl very nice all right on the table what's on your table on the table well first i wanted to mention that um milk street is doing free online classes through april 30th that is they have the wonderful cookbook that Courtney and I both really liked. And so I went and I checked them out and I am signed up for their Instant Pot class. 
and the vegetarian cooking class. And I haven't gotten too far into either one, but it seems to be a combination of videos and written instructions and lots of photos. There's with each class, I think you get a cookbook of recipes, not a whole huge cookbook, but I feel like there was at least 15. And for the Instant Pot one, for each of the techniques they were te teaching you, they seem to have a meat-based and a vegetarian recipe. So that was really nice to see. So yeah, so do a little more experimenting there. Kind of excited to check those out. But as far as what I've actually been cooking, uh, lots of baking still, <laughs> as one does. The one thing I was really excited about was using up egg yolks. So I, I made a, I don't know, like a peach bake at Alaska, I guess, sort of. Not a, not a full one, but you took, I used jarred peaches and then ice cream. And this was a Jamie Oliver five ingredient recipe. And then you make a meringue and plop it on top. And then he has you stick it under the broiler, but I have one of those lovely little handheld burner things, flamethrowers, mini flamethrowers. <laughs> I can't remember the actual word that <laughs> sure. you can kitchen, use for- Kitchen torch. Kitchen torch. Well, that's not as fun as handheld flamethrower. It is not. But it works. Uh, so yeah, so I have it for making creme brulees, but it also works really well for meringues. My older child was super excited to get to use it as well. So I got him involved. And it was, it was really tasty and trying to figure out how much brown you needed. It's kind of like marshmallow level of, you know, how much char do you want on there? My answer is not very much, but you do need to get that, get it a little cooked, but it was delicious. Okay. Um, but then I had egg yolks left over. And so I did a search on what to do with leftover egg yolks and came up with a website that listed links to different recipes for if you have six egg yolks left over or five, four, three, I had two. And that led me to a molten chocolate cake recipe from the kitchen, K-I-T-C-H-N.com. And this is was, never a bad idea. No. And no. They, those were equally delicious. Probably could have used some whipped cream on top, but didn't have enough energy to both make dessert and whip the cream. But those were delicious as well. So we have been eating a lot of desserts, which is not <laughs> a bad, bad thing. So for actual dinner cooking, do you remember a few weeks ago when you made a chicken butter, butter chicken, butter, that's what it's butter called. Butter chicken, yeah. I'll get the words that's out of it. Modern, anyway, prop, modern proper, I think. It was a slow cooker one, right? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And so my plan was to make it when my husband went out of town so the boys and I could have it and then obviously is not going out of town anytime soon but then I found on the New York Times recipe website a uh, recipe for Indian butter tofu so that would work and that was delicious and what I really liked about it is it was very American grocery accessible Friendly. ingredients yeah. so I think I had pretty much everything in my pantry or theoretically I mean I generally have coconut milk and tomatoes and all that good stuff. Very nice, not too spicy, just a lot of flavor, which is what works best in my household. That one was really good and everybody liked that. And then I also made a Mississippi roast, which is a big old hunk of meat. I posted <laughs> that one or it starts off, but then you shred it. But yeah. that was also from the New York Times. In its simplest form, you put the meat in the slow cooker. Traditionally, you use like a ranch seasoning packet and a, a OU's seasoning packet since it's the new york times they had you actually make some things which took all of two seconds ranch dressing is really not that complicated so i did that one 
and again, super delicious. It has pepperoncinis in there as well, so it gets a little bit of heat. So it's kind of sweet and spicy, and it was really delicious and lasted us. I think we got three meals out of that, so felt that definitely felt like a win. And then, and actually, this was kind of funny. So I was participating in one of those recipe email chains that's just started going around. So terrible at those. The one I got said to do 20 people, and it's like, that's not happening. <laughs> so I threw it out to a couple people. I really didn't care. The main thing, I think, is to send it to the person that yeah. is on the list. So I definitely did that. I sent it out to a few people. And it was really fun within a few hours, because I have some friends that are sort of really on it, like I am, and I have friends <laughs> that are not, and that's totally fine. That's so me. within a few hours, I started getting recipes, which was kind of fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, but the recipe she sent me was for the Mississippi roast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like, wait a minute. I just made this. It's great. Thank you. Good choice. <laughs> I don't want to make you feel bad, but I really liked it. So yeah. So it's been interesting. Like that first week I was doing super complicated things and then I really backed off because I thought, oh, I have all this time. I can do all this cooking. It'll give me something to do. And then I was just totally stressed about it. Yeah. So I've been backing off and going with a lot more simple things. I've got the turkey burgers on my lineup because that's pretty easy. Just kind of more recipes that I know that I'm pretty sure I can find all the ingredients at the grocery store. Although we've been pretty well stocked, but then you just sort of have random things you just don't know. So that's what's been on my table. How about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the going product that the clerk at Whole Foods was telling me was disappearing like crazy was yeast. Not a problem for me. I don't (laughs) I don't make bread really. That's true. That's true. So I, I have, have that plenty issue. in the drawer, and I have some that's slightly expired, but I think it's still probably good. Probably um, good. Tofu is the one thing I have not, my grocery store is just not having tofu. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out for that, or tell Adam to, because I keep sending him to the grocery store on nice. my behalf. A similar theme over here with forget about the entree and just bake. <laughs> we roasted a couple chickens together and gave some to my father-in-law. And then we stretched those chickens for basically a week. You know, I turned them into one thing and then they were in a stew and then I cooked it all down and made a soup. And and we just sort of stretched that out. But to accompany each chicken course, I did homemade pretzels Mm. from the Mark Bittman How to Bake Everything. And man, I love that recipe so much. And I had everything for it, the yeast, the malted. And this is the pretzel dough. He he recommends aging it overnight in the fridge to help develop the flavor. And it I don't think I did that the last time that I made the pretzels. And this time I did because we got time. They what were, does give it the pretzel flavor? Well, part of it is the malted. Oh, the malt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think aging that dough and letting it ferment just a little bit longer it's not quite a sourdough but it definitely has a little tang to it and that might be that might be what's happening I don't know the science behind it wholly and the recipe does say you can do either a couple tablespoons of the the malted syrup or whatever it's called I think it's a syrup or you can use brown sugar and honestly I did both I did a li- I backed off the brown sugar a little bit, but I wanted kind of a slightly sweeter pretzel. So you make the dough and then you let it rise and then you can put it overnight in the fridge. So you let it do the rest of its aging just after that first rise. Then you 
roll out the dough and you do all the twisting and then you put them on a sheet pan and let that rise again. So they, you know, they get two rises out of it. And then you put them in the boiling water with baking soda and malt and or brown sugar. Well, the baking soda in hot water, that part, I just, the whole thing, Monica, boiled over, not once, but twice. It was such a mess. And it smelled so good. And it was just one, you know what? It was pretty joyful. I'm going to add that to my <laughs> list. And it was just a science experiment in the kitchen. And I loved it. I loved that. So huge success with the pretzels. The last time I made them, I had like a different kind of really big, chunky pretzel salt. And it was too hard. So this time I switched and just used Malden, the flake salt. And I liked that so much better. And I will do that again. In fact, I think I should make another batch. I also made cinnamon babka from the Mark Bittman, How to Bake Everything. And that's the one that just rises once and you roll out the dough into a rectangle and it gets cinnamon, sugar, and flour and butter sprinkling. And then you roll it all up and twist it in on itself, shove it into a, a loaf pan. And it's pretty dense. I did try to take the temperature of that to make sure that it was done. And the temperature was off the charts, but when we, maybe I didn't let it rest long enough, but when we sliced into it, it was still just slightly underdone in the middle. I don't know. It was still pretty delicious and we ate the whole thing. I'm sure. And then I have made oatmeal chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal chocolate chip scones and they were devoured and what more can i say about that so my next yeast based project outside of another batch of pretzels are to make the liege waffles the belgian liege waffles oh you haven't made those yet no i haven't i have everything i need for them and all the time in the world apparently so that is that's up next nice that's it. I feel like we've been eating bread and chicken. <laughs> oh, I did make chicken parmesan too, but that's that's in my regular rotation. Oh, that sounds good. I'll have to think about how to incorporate that. All right, on the nightstand, I listened to The Vanishing Stare by Maureen Johnson. That is book two in the series about Stevie, who is a student at a fancy pants boarding high school in Vermont at which people keep dying and she is trying oh to yes and yet they don't close the school <laughs> not quite sure why there the reason she went there was to solve a murder mystery from the 30s and then people continue to murder and it's definitely I guess maybe a trilogy the mystery bleeds over into the next book so at the end of the first book we knew sort of one of the answers um, but then you don't find out. You find out a couple more answers in book two. And I'm currently waiting on book three. Uh, I like it. It's not too angsty because it is a young adult novel. She's very snarky. Her friends are snarky and amusing. And again, not too angsty. A little bit. It's a teen <laughs> book. So it's got to yeah. be some some relationship angst and woe is me and no one understands, but not too much. And then I read A Faithful Place by Tana French. So I'm down to one of her books that I haven't read. So you guys are almost done hearing about them. Unless Courtney reads some more. This is her third book in the Dublin Murders series. And it features Frank Mackey, who is 
one of the bosses in the undercover division. This one was kind of interesting. It was a personal event for him, which is how he gets involved because he is undercover and not murder. So he's not technically supposed to be looking into this crime at all. It starts off when he was 19. He was going to run away to England with his girlfriend of the time, and she never showed up. He found a note that sounded like she was taking off on her own and had just dumped him. And so he never really recovered, never went home, went lived his own life. And he hasn't been back home in 20 years. Gets a call from his sister. They just found a suitcase in this empty building on our street, and we think it's hers. You know, she probably wouldn't have left without her suitcase. So he starts looking into it. Things go poorly from there. I mean, it's a mystery. You you expect a dead body. So it's good. I really like him as a character. He's not really a nice guy, but he is. So it's kind of an interesting character study. Family dynamics. He's a Dublin boy. That one I really, I really liked him. I liked him. He was in the book too a lot. Um, and I liked him as a character there. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Fun to see him be the star of the show in this, in this book. And then I read Nearly Normal Family by M.T. Edverson which is the one that you talked about last time, which is the family in Sweden, mom, dad, daughter, and the daughter is 18 and is accused of murder. And the book is told in three parts. The first part is from the dad's point of view, and then from the daughter's point of view, and then from the mom's point of view. So it's not a mystery, like a police procedural kind of one, but there is a murder and it's it's more concerned with the family relationship. And so we, so had, it, a, we had a little discussion about this book regarding your major problem with the father yes the father i found to be super annoying did not like him at all but i did think it was really interesting how the daughter who is the one accused of murder is the middle part of the book the structure is very compelling yeah so there's a lot of of going back into their family dynamics and what happened, how did she become involved with the murder victim? And there was a lot of interesting interesting parts about it, but I found the dad to be not a good person, (laughs) which is interesting because he is a preacher, so. Right, and that I think is why that his section is so compelling because everybody assumes that because he's a pastor, he is gonna be this pinnacle of honesty. And when the, the, the confluence of events happen, you learn that he is human and yes. an and annoying human. <laughs> yeah. I still think that it's a worthwhile mystery. It's, it's very fast. It's a yeah. fast read. And I think that the structure builds in a way that typical mysteries don't. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely different. I like, yeah, I like the way it was set up. I didn't particularly like any of those characters. No, that's for sure. The mom. Yeah. The mom was probably the most interesting. And I definitely felt for the daughter. The dad just annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. I was I getting know. texts from Monica like, this dad is super irritating. <laughs> I thought she was mad at me about the book. <laughs> oh, no. No. Just, just him. Yep. So, yeah. So, no, I would recommend that one as well. I also liked the little viewpoint, the view into uh, the Swedish judicial system. That yeah. was kind of because it's not it's not the same as ours shockingly and then i read apparently this is my episode for reading multi-part books uh so i read ribbons of scarlet a novel of the french revolution's women and it has six authors so i'm not going to name them all but if you want to search for it the one to look for is kate quinn so it's six women who write historical fiction 
and they all take a section of the book and it runs through before the revolution really starts to about the end of the terror. They each focus on a specific woman who was involved in the revolution. So one of them focuses on Princess Elizabeth, who was the sister of the king. Another one looks at one of the market women that led the march to Versailles to capture the king and bring him back to Paris. Two of them are women who were married to French politicians, but also were very important and influential in their work. And there was somebody else. Oh, the woman who killed Marat. So it was very interesting. So it kind of goes through the time period, focused on one woman. Some of them I didn't know about at all. So that was really interesting. And then always when you get a character that you are, you know, an act- a character who is based on a real person that you know a little bit about and they've fleshed it out, that's often really interesting as well. The characters do interact a little bit. And it was six different authors, but it didn't feel wildly disjointed. So they did a good job of plotting everything out and making it not exactly seamless, but definitely it, it flowed well. So I liked that as well. And that was Ribbons of Scarlet, a novel of the French Revolution's women. And that is all that Excellent. I have finished. How about you? I had a really hard time getting into books last week. Yeah, it's been a little I, bit more like I have to pick a book that I'm in the mood for right yeah. now. And then it's got to be super engaging or I'm just like, yeah, I can't focus. Yeah. I made it really far into two different books, which I'm going to tell you about, and then read one entire book. It's a it's an interesting time to be a reader. So I attempted to read the new Emma Donahue called Akin, and that's the one about the older Jewish gentleman who gets custody of his nephew's son. They end up taking a trip together. And I really, I, I really like Emma Donahue's writing. I, I enjoyed The Wonder. I did not read The Room because that seems hard for me, but yeah. I, I think I would like this book in a different moment. So I have set it aside for now because I don't want to push through it when I'm not in the right mind frame. And then I attempted Prayer for Owen Meany, the old John Irving. Oh, yeah. I think it's from like the 1980s. And I read half of it and it got really sad. <laughs> and yeah. and that one I had to just, no, close. I marked my placement and closed the cover. And then I hunted around and I found this old book, not really all that old, maybe 2006, on the shelf called The Plover by Brian Doyle. And this is a book about a man who gets on his boat from the coast of Oregon and he sails west. And he just plans to sail for the rest of his life. And his name is Declan. And he's, I think, like late 30s. And off he goes on this adventure. And, you know, it's kind of like the man in the sea. It's kind of a little bit Moby Dick. It's a little bit, um, I'm trying to think of another really great story about man and nature that's ocean-based. And I'm blanking, but... You think that it's going to be this one man story about his journey on the sea and he's talking to the birds and he's just sort of four days in, he's already kind of crazy. And then in the end, he makes all of these friends and he meets up with people and it turns into this totally different complex story and, and how, and it has a little bit of mystical realism to it and brings together this disparate, tribe of people in a way that is totally unexpected 
and I loved it. It was such a an escapist read, a little bit slow pace, a, a little slower pace, but it's ocean going. Oh, I've never read that one. What's the one about by Yann Martel with the tiger? Oh, the night. No, Life of Pi. Life of Pi. I've never read that book. Oh, that's really good. But I feel like it would be in a similar... It's a tough one. Yeah, this is too a little bit. Totally worthwhile. There's a great map in it, in the in the uh, frontispiece that you think you know where he's going to end up, and it, you, you're still surprised. Interesting. Very worthwhile read, and that was a good, that was a good escape. Cool. Yeah. And somebody, my friend Kelly, I thought it was you, but it was my friend Kelly sent me a list of other books to read. And you know, we don't. I've read all my library books at this point, and I'm just. Didn't scrolling. you have twenty-seven of them? I did, but. I let some of them were like cookbooks and some of them were and some of them I didn't like. And so I I've been scrolling my shelves looking for what haven't I read that interests me. And one of the ones that she recommended was on my shelf, The Emperor's Children by Claire Massoud, which is from like two thousand three or two thousand six, somewhere in there. Two thousand six. And so that is what's underway and I can't wait to tell you about it next time because it's beefy perfect in all kinds of ways it's a little bit hard for me but it's it's um it's happening all right so on the fly on the fly what what made you think of this category and like tell us more uh so i don't know that i love the title if anyone has a a section head that they think would be better, let me know. I tried to discuss it with my children and they were useless. So, but you know, just on the fly, you have a minute, you need to distract yourself, you've done done some work and you deserve a little reward. So fun things that you might not otherwise. I think, I think it's a perfect title. Okay, good. So webcams. I found some fun webcams that I didn't know about. I assume they were there before, but our California Academy of Sciences has several webcams. You can watch the penguins, which is fun. See them waddling around. You can also watch, they have a webcam out on the Falkland Islands, which is a little, oh, you read a book about it. It's a little rocky outcrop of islands, like 20 miles off the coast of San Francisco. The Farallon. The Farallons. What am I saying? Falkland. <laughs> farther away. I'm going to start that over. I, oh, there no. might be a webcam on the Falkland Islands. That would be awesome. Okay, the Farallon Islands. It began with an F. It was close. Uh, Farallon Islands, Rocky Outcrop, 20 miles off the coast. I did oh. read a very weird book about the Farallon yes. Islands and the people who kind of park themselves out there to do scientific studies. But apparently, the name of it. depending on the time, you can see the sea lions out there and, and whatnot and at the very least you can watch the ocean waves and it's kind of meditative and then a lot of the national parks have them as well so glacier has webcams so you can see all the the lakes and the snows and watch as it melts and yellowstone has one for old faithful so you can right now they're closed they're not doing predictions for when it will happen so you just have to watch and i did actually catch it the other day the eruption of old faithful and it's it's still snowy there so it was extra extra cool but i think april 15th they'll start doing the the predictions for the next eruption but that's kind of fun as well i think that there's a great one a great set of web webcams down at the monterey bay aquarium where you can watch the jellyfish and my my favorite are the sea otters they're super chock full of personality 
and um, you can watch them frolic. That sounds good. What do you have besides that? I have a couple podcasts. I admitted my weakness for a crime podcast. That, oh, okay. you know, in our attempted um, yep thing, and apparently it's not that rare to like cr- true crime po- podcasts. But my my personal favorite is Crime Junkies. It's a duo um, where they tell the story of cases old and new and what's happening with the cases. And one of the narrators is particularly good at sharing the story in her own voice, in her own way. And I, it's, boy, it's terrible stuff. They don't go into super grisly detail, so that helps me. But I, I just like to hear the procedurals behind it and she's very good at interacting with local police and giving updates on things i don't know why that it should be a terrible thing to listen to but i'm super sucked in it is not my thing but apparently people love it the one i've heard of is my favorite murder so if you yeah i want to i want to dive into that one if you haven't listened to that one or then you could listen to that and if you have listened to all of my favorite murders, then you could check out Crime Junkies, apparently. Absolutely. My other favorite podcast is totally different. It's called The Anthropocene Reviewed. It's narrated by John Green, who is a, an author, mostly a, a YA author. And he did The Fault in Our, the Fault in Our Stars or The Fault in the Except Our Stars. But he takes two disparate things and compares them, like... I don't have the thing in front of me, but he'll do, you know, metal rulers versus coffee cups, porcelain coffee cups. And he talks, he'll give a history. Did scratch and stiff stickers and the Andy 500. Yes. But he doesn't really compare them. They're two, it's two separate things. You're right. You're right. It's not a competition, which is what I was thinking. He just does two short. (laughs) You're right. I was like, how do you compare them? Like they're totally different, but it's just like the history of one and then he rates them and then he rates it like on a five-star scale and I just I love I think he has a great voice Mm -hmm. that helps and I love how he gives the history of it it's a total nerd podcast it's right up my alley basically so my favorite one is the one about the old lang syne that he did around new year's and then I love his most recent one which fits in with this weird pandemic quarantine thing we got going yeah so, i listened to a few of them they were really oh good. they're good and they're not very long maybe no. 20 minutes or so and they only come out once a month so you're not you're not committed. it's not a huge investment yes on the fly yeah. they were good i liked them although he rated the indianapolis 500 higher than scratch and sniff stickers and i'm just not sure i agree with that but whatever there are but, a lot of people who like the indianapolis 500 i know and he does live there but he liked them both so yeah anyway what do you have for podcasts? My other love that we don't talk about too much is, well, I guess I read historical fiction, but I do love history. So there's a lot of really serious history podcasts out there, which I can do several recommendations. But for right now, I wanted to go with kind of my lighter ones. So the first one is the History Chicks. Two women, they've been doing this, I think, probably about 10 years now. And they do biographies of famous women, or not so famous sometimes, sometimes infamous they do a whole history and then they'll go into what they read and movies and the whole media other rabbit holes that you can go down if you want to know more about them they have a nice chatty demeanor they have a good variety of women they do a lot of you know the kings and they don't do kings they do a lot of queens 
and women that you've heard of, but then there have been a lot that I haven't. So they're definitely trying to shine a light on lesser known historical figures. And their most recent one is on Typhoid Mary. So <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Oh, dear. And then the other one I really like is the Rex Factor, which also they've been doing it for a long time. They started off rating all the kings and queens of England, uh, ruling kings and queens, and they do the history and then they rate them on different factors. So badliness and scandal and some other things. And then at the end, they decide if they had the Rex factor, which is that certain something that just elevates you above all other rulers. And then at the end of their season, they did a playoff and crowned the ultimate ruler of England. And then they did Scotland and now they are currently doing the consorts of England. And again, super chatty, two guys, I think they were friends, either college or they met on their first job, but they were both history majors. And one of them is the straight man. He does all the research, prevents the facts. The other one is kind of Joe on the street. No idea what's going on. He could never remember. They're going through the consorts and right now, and we just got to the Norman conquest. So, but they all have the same name. (laughs) He just could not keep them straight. Even when they don't have the same name, the Saxon women, their names are just wonky. We do not have those names anymore. He could not keep them straight. It's hilarious. So does, really that, does that align with the one who's technical and the one who is totally analog too? Uh, pretty much. So they yeah. are there and they are. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. And they also do some special episodes. They did one, like two hours on the history of tea, which was fascinating. So really? Yep. Oh, I they need do. to hear that one. Yeah lots of things they've done special episodes on castles and non-royal people so that's the rex factor i really like that and then the one that i am really liking right now is from the hot and bothered podcast which is actually that one's fun too treating writing romance novels as a sacred text um, oh yeah from, from the creators of or one of the creators of harry potter in the sacred text this is her romance novel one and they are currently reading and analyzing twilight so you get three episodes a week. They're about 20 minutes long. They're going chapter by chapter. It's her and a friend. And they are both snarky and serious about it. And That's so awesome. they, are, they are giving advice to the characters. They're giving advice to Stephanie Meyer, questioning her, her choices in writing certain things. So they're both, you know, they're kind of making fun of the whole analyzing of literature since this isn't, you know, fine literature. But it's pretty funny. And she started off so that they've, they just had episode three today. And one of them started off, she's like, I'm actually really liking this book. She had seen the movies, hadn't read the books, her friend had read the books years ago. So they're going back and rereading them. They're like, we'll keep doing, I mean, there's a lot of books, there's a lot of chapters, we'll keep doing this as long as we're in quarantine. So it could last a while. But again, it's about a 20 minute episode. Pop in, listen to a little bit. And they do a recap at the beginning. So if you haven't read the books, or it's been a while, and you don't feel like rereading them, they'll remind you what happens in each chapter at the beginning. It's been a while. Yeah, not much has changed. Yeah, should I talk Anything about? Else? Yeah, I have um my one little fun thing that I found on the New York Times is called Puzzle Grid. It's all the way at the bottom of the homepage on the New York Times page, and there's a little thing called Play Tiles. Why do I keep calling it Puzzle Grid? Um, so it's a grid. It's, it's a puzzle. It's called, it's called Tiles, oh. and you can choose different different tile arrays like you could just do the color ones or you could do much more elaborate ones and there's a little tutorial to teach you how to play there's also a zen mode which i've never clicked on and this is my way of getting the heck off the internet (laughs) 
And what I do is when I feel like I have been reading far too many news articles, I will let myself like sort of transition with a game of tiles and then go do something else, like bake another endless loaf of bread or go paint something. And it's been a total delight and great way to sort of switch gears and get off the endless news scroll that I find myself on in these in these days. Yep. So that's called Tiles on the New York Times. And you said you had eight free plays a day if you're I think non. I, yeah, so you cannot yeah. get too invested in it. I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's probably of... a good thing. I'm a subscriber, so I have been having little marathons with myself although it, it's still a, a fun way and I love the the color one and I love the Holland one which is tulips and like super intricate little designs yeah so, I need to check that out yeah that's cool it. all right well hopefully it recorded this time we'll see minimal promises <laughs> but definitely in these times make sure to do something you love every day thanks everyone bye and I am about halfway through the second sleeve. Actually, that's a lie. I finished it. It's blocking right now. <laughs> um, it's hard right. to do a like a delayed update. Like a, a ter- we cannot turn back the clock. No, nope. it's, it's a little no. bit there. I haven't done too much. Anyway, I'm cutting that part out. Pretend I'm still working on the sweater. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.